This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Today, let's take a trip down memory lane. Think back to last year in class and in clinicals. What do you see? Well, good memories, right? Now think even harder to who you see, what stands out. Probably not very many men walking around, huh? Have you ever wondered why that is? Hey guys, I'm Adia Hansen. And I'm Corbin Smith. Together we are going to explore the nursing profession. With exclusive interviews for nurses working in jobs you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the College Handoff. Welcome back to the College Handoff. Today we'll be talking to Mike McNeil, a BYU alumni from 2017. He's going to talk to us about being a travel nurse and all of his experiences as a man in nursing. After him, we'll talk to Delsa Richards, who will explain the women's studies minor and tell us why you should consider getting one and how it can enrich your nursing education. We are back now with Mike McNeil. He's a recent graduate here at BYU College of Nursing. He got his undergraduate degree in 2017, and he's currently doing his master's program to become a family nurse practitioner here at BYU. Um, Since he graduated with his undergrad in 2017, he's been an ICU nurse um, at Intermountain here in the Valley and also in Arizona, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Thanks for coming, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to have you here to, to talk a little bit. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And the one thing that has always interested me in nursing, and you fit very well into that niche, perfectly into that niche, dare I say, is that you are a male. Yes. And there aren't very many males in nursing. Do you have any insights, any thoughts why that might be a thing? You know, I think historically, you know, it was just a profession for females. When we look at the patterns of, you know, even doctors, doctors were usually men, nurses were usually women historically. Um, And I think over time that's shifted. I mean, we know now that there are more females graduating from med school than than males. But I think that it's a profession that a lot of people don't give consider. A lot of men don't give consideration to maybe early on in their lives just because it's more closely associated with females. However, I think a lot of men as they get older, a lot of them have even graduated with like a degree and they're doing something else. A lot of them realize what a great profession it is and what a great option it would be. And so I think a lot more men go into nursing maybe a little later in life, maybe like late twenties, early thirties, and they'll go back to school or they'll get an accelerated bachelor's degree or do a you know nursing program somewhere um, because they realize that, A, it's a great profession. They're always going to have a job. Um, there's so many different ways to um, practice nursing, so many different areas and fields and specialties. Um, and in addition to that, you know, it's it's a career that is very rewarding as well. Obviously, we don't want to take any credit away from all the amazing female nurses. Oh, no, absolutely. There's a reason that 93 or however much percent of nurses are women. They are incredible at their job and they do amazing things. I, I look at the College of Nursing here and the majority of the professors here are, are female as well. Oh, absolutely. And amazing women. Yeah, amazing women. That I've learned women. so much from and who are who to me are great examples. Uh-huh. And then I look 
at some of the male professors here at BYU, people like Kent. Kent is one of the most oh loving, gosh. amazing people that mm-hmm. I've ever met. Neil and I'm forgetting tons Peter, and tons of people. Yeah, so all of them. All of them are. Scott, Michael Thomas. I mean, I could go on. Yeah. And all of them are great. I think there's so much that can be learned from a male nurse and the male professors here as well. So what do you think could be done in the younger demographic to kind of build that excitement for this profession Mm -hmm. of nursing? Yeah. You know, it wasn't until probably my junior kind of senior year of high school where I started seriously thinking about it. And I would have loved for, you know, someone to have come to our school and maybe done like a um, career presentation about it. Um, or, you know, some event in the community, maybe where high school students, maybe even, you know, middle school students, whoever, um, who are thinking about a career in nursing could maybe go and get some insights and ask questions and, you know, learn a little bit more about the profession. I think that would be a really helpful, um, you know, thing to promote this profession is community outreach and meeting with young people, answering their questions, you know, clarifying things because there are some misconceptions, um, I think that would be extremely effective. And I would have loved that when I was thinking about it as a teenager. So let's let's shift to this a little bit. Let's shift to the thing that has been taken over our lives <laughs> since the beginning of this year. And what, the, could, what could that be? I have no idea. Let's <laughs> let's think. The, um, we want to talk a little bit about the work that you've done fighting this dang coronavirus, COVID-19, getting it wiped off the face of this earth so we can get back to some form of normalcy. <laughs> So if I understand correctly, you have spent a little bit of time in Arizona, which yes. has, which was for a while kind of this hot spot for coronavirus where numbers were spiking, cases were, were very high, and um, the hospitals, I'm sure, were packed at that time. Mm-hmm. So tell me, about, tell me about that. What was it like being in the hospitals during this peak time of COVID-19? Yeah, so first of all, I went to Arizona uh, for six weeks on a travel nursing contract, and I worked in the ICUs there. I was mostly in Scottsdale, um, North Phoenix area, and I was actually in the ICU float pool. So I kind of floated between, I actually floated between like five different hospitals. Some I was at more than others. When I got to Arizona, it was early July and it was like the peak of everything. Um, numbers were through the roof. I'm talking like 3000 new cases a day. And the good thing was, as soon as I, I think right before I got there, um, the governor had just mandated that, you know, masks were to be worn in public at, in all places, grocery stores, any, anytime you're in public with other people, you know, they, they really implemented that mask mandate. And so, um, I think just even in like that short period of time, like the first few weeks, um, it was looking promising, meaning, you know, the numbers weren't at zero, but they had already started to see a decline. Um, and by the time I finished my contract, which was, uh, August, mid August, um, our numbers were so much better. Um, the hospital system that I worked for honor health, they were pretty transparent about numbers, um, how many COVID patients we had in all of our hospitals total. And I think when I got there, there, there were probably like three or 400, um, in all of the hospitals total. And by the time I left, there were like 90. So it had gotten way better. Um, and I attribute that all to wearing masks. Really? Yeah. You know, there was a graph that I also saw here in Utah 
where um, Salt Lake County, when they implemented the masks, just in like a week, it you know you could already see the numbers falling. Um, and I, you know, again, I think I really think that until we get a vaccine, until we get better treatment, I really think that wearing masks in public is you know our best defense against it. Yeah. Um, I just from my perspective in Arizona, seeing that even here in Utah and in other places, you know, I think that's our best bet right now. Mm-hmm. And. I guess this is not exactly about COVID, but I want to ask you a little bit about what it's like being a travel nurse you, mm-hmm. and how it's like getting to a hospital where you don't know anybody and getting along with people and getting into the, the routine of every single day. What was that like? Was it hard? Was it easy? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, before I did it, you know, before I started, I was I, I mean, I was naturally very nervous. Um, I had my unit here in Utah that I had worked on for two and a half years. I knew everyone super well. I knew our doctors really well. You just kind of get the in and out. You, you, you have your routine down. So I was worried about kind of like starting from scratch. Um, there were a few things that made it easier though. Number one, I was lucky enough to be at a great place and everyone was super nice, very helpful, um, answered all my questions. And, um, so that, I think that was probably the biggest thing that helped was I, you know, I just got lucky. I was at a great place, great hospital system, and I had awesome, helpful coworkers. Um, another thing that helped was, you know, nurses who are listening, you'll know what I mean. We have what we call our brain every day, which is like our report sheets where we have, you know, we can write down report and we can write down, you know, the list of medications, when to give them, if there are any labs due, you know, notes to pass on, questions to ask the docs. Like it, it's pretty much for me, some people like don't even use them, but for me, it's like I couldn't function without it. And every hospital ha- kind of has their own like paper that is kind of divided into different sections. So what I did to keep myself sane, I just made copies of the one that I've been using for two and a half years and brought those with me to Arizona. So I could, I felt like I had some sense of normalcy um, and, you know, familiarity with that. And that helped a lot. Another thing that was helpful was, you know, just trying to just be a sponge like that. Just the first couple shifts, um, you know, I, I had one shift where I was orienting with another nurse. So I tried to just soak as much in as I could. Um, but I also just had to remind myself, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to be perfect these first couple weeks. It's still new. It's okay. I'm still taking good care of my patients but just giving myself permission to be, to be like, okay, it's not going to go perfectly. Um, you know, it's okay. I'm going to make some little mistakes here and there. Um, and that was fine. And honestly, you know, looking back, it, it went so much better than I thought it would. So travel nursing sounds like it would be a super awesome experience going to see different ways that people go about their daily routines in the hospital and meeting new people. How does one become travel nurse do you know yeah so um first of all i never really thought about it um i didn't really give it too much thought and then i had a couple of co-workers who went and did it um and i kind of talked with them for a while and i kind of started thinking about it a little more and it sounded like it'd be a really good experience um I, you know for me it was kind of like it, it'll be nice to kind of shake things up a little bit and you know i was nervous you know to do it but i thought it would be a good opportunity for me to to learn a little bit more. Um, there are so many different agencies that you can work with. Um, you can find them all online. 
there are some sites where they list like a bunch of different agencies and you can kind of compare um, but they list all the jobs online. Um, the agency that I worked with, um, a friend of mine had worked with as well. So that's kind of how I heard about them. Um, and right now during COVID is probably the busiest time for them, for travel nurses like ever, because there's so many spots that hospitals need filled. And, you know, my hospitals in Arizona, for example, they hadn't taken travel nurses in like 16 years just because they didn't really need them. But because of COVID and because patient populations and, you know, censuses are getting so high, they a lot of hospitals are recruiting travel nurses. So now is a great time to do it. You, you said hospitals. Were you at more than one? So I was at more than one. I was at five different hospitals. Some I was at, there, was, there were two that I was at the most. And then there was one where I was at like twice. The other two I was at like once. Um but I was at five different hospitals. So, and usually that is not, usually that's kind of not it's how atypical. travel nurse. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is atypical. You're usually at like one hospital, one unit. Um, but just given the circumstances with COVID, they kind of had needs spread throughout. And so I was part of the ICU float pool. And so I floated between a few different hospitals. And how does licensing work? Cause I'm, you have your license here in Utah. Is mm-hmm. it pretty flawless or? So Utah is part of a compact state. And so that means that there are, gosh, I think there are like 30, maybe there are several states throughout the U.S. I want to say over 30 that are also in this compact license, meaning if you have a license in Utah, you could go to like, for example, Texas and work. Um, And Arizona is also within that state compact. So there are several states that you can work in. um, And it's just kind of a matter of, you know, a few little you have to verify your license through a site. Um, but other than that, if you have a license in one of those states, you can work in others. There are other states, though, for example, like California, um, I know Washington and Oregon, where you need a specific license for that state. And so you have to apply for that. Um, sometimes you have to do like fingerprinting and that can actually take a while. It can take like several weeks to get that back. Um, but during COVID, there were actually some states that really expedited that process. I had a friend who um, actually went to California. She was from Utah. She didn't have her California license. But this hospital even just said, hey, look, we're so desperate right now that we will just take any state license. And so that's how she was able to go work in California, which has like one of the strictest laws, I think, for um, nursing and licensing. And it takes like months. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming in and and talking to us a little bit about your experiences. Um, Good luck with the rest of your master's program. Thank you so much. Um, I'll need it. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. And we are rooting here for you. Thanks, Corbin. Yeah. BYU Nursing has an official Instagram page as well. At BYU Nursing is your one-stop place to find updates pertaining to the college, fun pictures from events and award ceremonies from those in our BYU community. And hey... Who knows? Maybe even you will be featured on the page soon. Give us a follow at BYU Nursing. So we are here today with Delsa, and Delsa, just introduce yourself to us. My name is Delsa Richards. I work as the assistant controller and the undergraduate studies secretary here at the College of Nursing. Cool. And you are over the women's studies minor with um, nursing. So tell us a little bit about that minor. So we discovered this minor about two and a half years ago and realized how perfectly it complements the nursing major. 
nurses are going to be working with so many women, um, but so often their story remains untold. So if they have this extra minor in women's studies, they get to really understand different uh, perspectives and stories and histories that can really enrich their uh, nursing experience as they work with patients, as they do their own research, as they work with colleagues, many of which will be female. Um, a minor in global women's studies helps to open nurses' eyes, minds, hearts to a higher degree of understanding and a different perspective. Yeah, it sounds like such an enriching minor. Um, what are kind of the program outcomes for those who complete it? One of the main ones is to look at issues and questions from unique historical and contemporary perspectives, both domestically and internationally. Cool. That's so cool. Um, you make me want to do a women's studies minor. You totally should. It is amazing. I, <laughs> I wish that I could go back to my own undergraduate and add it. And so add it, I yeah. love I love when I get to hear from the students about the minor, what they're mm -hmm. learning, how it's impacting their nursing uh, studies, but just impacting themselves as people, just learning how much yeah. more there is to the world. So many of the untold stories that we have. Mm -hmm. And it's women's studies. Yes, it is women's studies, but we also learn about... Um, different different cultures uh, that just remain kind of hidden in the world and it really teaches them to open their eyes. Yeah. What kind of classes do you take for? So in yeah. the minor, you have to take the Intro to Global Women's Studies class. It's a three credit class. It's fabulous. Really gives you a great overview of the course of study. There's a couple of colloquiums, one credit classes where you get to listen to a lot of different um, speakers with different perspectives, different stories to tell, uh, different backgrounds. And then there are three elective classes that you need to take. Um, luckily in nursing, your global health experience will take care of one of those electives. And then there's two more that you can really look into anything. If you want to study uh, women in English, or I know there's like a, um, a Jane Austen class, which some people have taken and really loved, but there's also global populations or scientific discoveries by women. There's so many mm -hmm. different classes that you can take to really enrich it. There are also uh, study abroad experiences that you can take outside of our own public and global health ones that will cover two electives and give you the benefit of traveling outside and really understanding in person what it means to be a global woman. Yeah, I love that. I've heard from some girls who did the study abroad and they just have such good things to say about it. Yeah, life-changing experiences. Mm -hmm. What about those of us who don't have time in our schedules? You don't <laughs> have time in your schedule. I mean, you can still take a class, but we mm -hmm. also encourage you to talk with each other. We uh, have formed a a club called Nurses Empowering Women, which we encourage people who are minoring in it but also those who just want to learn more, um, to just come together, to talk, to discuss, to, to learn from each other. Um, Global Women's Studies teaches you to be more aware of the stories around you, to learn about the societal and health issues surrounding women, and that's something we can talk about. And you can't heal a wound you can't see. And so that's one of the great things about Women's Studies is that you learn to look for those unseen wounds. I love that, especially with nursing. That is such an important skill to have as we see so many people all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Delsa. You're welcome. Thanks for having me here. 
Yeah, today's episode was super fun. I loved interviewing Delsa and talking a little bit more about the women's studies minor. Oh, yeah. Delsa's awesome. Everybody loves Delsa. Mm-hmm. She's so great. Um, so we talked about this last week. But ah, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> last week you asked me some rapid fire questions. So I'm this week it's your hook. turn. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hit me with it. Hit me with it. Okay, first question. What is your favorite ramen flavor? Mine is is chicken. Recently on TikTok, I found a special way to do it where you put egg in it and you put egg oh, in it while it's I've boiling. Mm-hmm. It's so good that way with the chicken. Mm. Mm. So good. Mm. So good. And then sriracha after. Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay. What is, what temperature do you usually set your thermostat at? I'm not really sure. I think I put it at 69 or 70. 69 or 70. I think that's okay. pretty standard or average. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I like 68, but that's, that's doable. It's freezing. <laughs> Okay, and then if you could shrink down any animal and carry it around in your pocket, which one would you choose? Red panda. I think they're so cute and so adorable. I was at the San Diego Zoo this summer, and it was like the highlight of it. I love red pandas. They are so cute, so small. And if it was even smaller, I could keep it in my pocket. I'd be dead. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Good choice. Good choice. Um, And then you asked me this last week, but if COVID was over, where would you travel? Sweden. 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 I don't know why, but ever since I was a little boy, I've had this infatuation with Sweden. And there's not really any basis to it, but I've always wanted to go. And I think that's the first place I would book a ticket to. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you for that, Corbin. Yeah. And thank you to all of the people that we interviewed this week. We can't wait until our next podcast next week. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be talking to Michael Thomas. He's a mental health nurse or a psychiatric nurse practitioner. He's so awesome. He's going to talk to us about his job, what mental health nurses do, and also this crazy thing that he did where he did 100 miles in less than two days. He ran it. So I'm super excited to to talk to him about that as well. Same. See you all next week. See ya.